0: okay shalom everybody we're now in the nine days before tisha b'av uh, will we we're continuing we left off but we have to we should connect what's going on right now and see it from the perspective of this lesson first of all the idea of avelut mourning you know you would think that there's no place for avalut in judaism there should be no place why because the whole idea of a jew is Ani, Ma'min, Bemuna, Shlema. Or the, the 13 Ma'min, Ani ma'amim means of means of the Rambam, right? That's all Judaism, that you see it suffering, you see it pain, <clears throat> you have a mitzvah to believe that this is for the good, and it will be for the good, and then everything will be good. If that's the case, why mourn? It's like, for example, the Arabs, havdil. When somebody um, dies by them, they wear white. They celebrate, in a way. They wear white. Because you know that person's going straight to Ganed, the Ganed, and they think, as if they think, you know, they're going straight to Allah and go to Ganed and everything. They celebrate, okay? You would think in Judaism we should we should uh, strengthen that hashkafa. That something sad happens, don't cry over it. Just opposite. You know, be mitchazik and be happy because you to 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 have what's called positive thinking, positive psychology. That it's it's going to be for the good and everything. Why make a big deal of mourning, right? Like we see that by on a revealed level, we see that by ahilula, the yard side of a tzaddik, we should be crying. Rav Lozen writes, but we're not crying. We're extremely happy. by <laughs> Rabbi All the yard sites, even some chasidim, not really following the shulchan aruch. They don't say tachanun on yard sites. They have chasidim every day. There's yard sites. They don't say tachanun every day. Right? <laughs> That's not in Bresta, by the way. We follow shulchan Shulchan aruch. There's days which are designated, not Esayi that's it, period. Not, not not to start making our own uh, laws and Hasidic twists, as they call them. So, <laughs> by our side of a Tzaddik, it's strange, you know? He passed away, it's a loss, it was a major loss. If he would have lived more, what's the loss? If he would have lived more, more Torah, more kedusha, more protection from Israel. seemingly, that's all gone. But in Judaism, we believe that tzaddikim in their passing, it's even greater, it's even stronger. Even though there's a sad thing, there was, when that tzaddik passed away, his family sat shiva over him, and all, if he was a Talmid Chacham of a, of a generation, all the Talmid chachami mourned over him also, they did Kriya and everything. Just imagine when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away. Everybody was mourning, okay? Rabbi Badi Yosef today, all of his Talmidim, they all did Kriya, they all mourned, you know? If when he passed away, all of his time mourned. When the Gavit, the previous guy, passed away, all the Badats and everyone, they, they did Kriya, they did mourning and everything. When the Sadbar Rebbe passed away, the previous one, right? They did mourning, they did Kriya, Lubavitcher Rebbe, oh, oh. you know, there was a lot of Kriya, a lot of oh, it was mourning. There's not enough, huh? it was not enough to... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't know that, sorry. Okay. But uh, there's, there's mourning, and yet there's Simcha. <clears throat> so what's going on here? Why in Judaism now, We stress Avelut, and we encourage a person to feel broken. Plus, Beit HaMikdash now. We mourn over the Beit HaMikdash. We mourn over the death of the tzaddikim. That's what we're doing now in in these three weeks especially. And especially in Tisha B'Av. We're we're mourning. What's the idea of mourning? If now we're taught that the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash was a kapara, right? Rashi brings it down a few times. That Hashem, who hits it, amen, Sit esh, he sent his wrath and burnt the temple instead of destroying the Jewish people so I should rejoice. I said, thank you, Hashem. Wow, you know, that's a, that's a big plus that this was destroyed instead of me. But no, we're mourning. What's the idea of mourning? Just the opposite. I, Judaism is you see something wrong, you believe that it's for the best. That's the, that's the training we're taught as a Jew in the Torah. That something bad happens, what do you say? Nachum ish the positive thinking, that's Judaism that's Torah, why all of a sudden mourning now, what in the world do you want with us in mourning, What's gonna, what is it going to help the mourning also if you notice most people have a very hard time mourning, the three weeks is hard for people right, they have this, some communities have this custom, they throw babkas at each other, they throw they take pine cones, you know, the little round yeah. pine cone balls, and they throw it at each other. They make a joke out of it and everything. No, I mean not in rest of, of course. I'm t- uh, of course, uh, I'm not trying to be like a ball guy, but I'm saying shochan aruch and aruch. We have some people. It's very hard for them the mourning part because these people they're mourning all year, so you tell them to mourn more. <laughs> they're they're not happy in general. That someone who's happy really he can really have a time to mourn. He can express it, believe believe or not. The time for morning, because the true simcha comes out of the morning, like Rab- Rabbi says in Sichot Tarbon. Rabbi Nachman says Rabbi Nachman's wisdom that a Jew who sets aside time for each bodidut every day and is able to have a broken heart. If a person is really able to have a broken heart, this can bring him to have simcha, true simcha. And the opposite, in other words, A leads to B, and B leads to A. Also, a person now who is with simcha all day. Also, he can have now the time, when, it, when it's time to have a broken heart, he can really pour it out and cry and everything and express himself. A leads to B, and, and B leads to A, okay? This is the idea of the morning, fine. But uh, again, what's going on? Judaism is always see something wrong as being good. If Hashem sends you something, it's always for the good. He says in Tzichot Aran that a Jew has a is his life is really life. But a person who doesn't have a munah, every tiny thing upsets him. Every tiny thing makes him upside down. The person has a munah. anytime he gets hit, he takes it as a kapara, as okay, no, uh, this is what Hashem wants of me, and I'm supposed to accept this, and this is for the good, right? That's how we bypass it, that's how we get through it. I just read a story recently of a, of a, of a family. They were living in Katamon. Katamon is now not such a religious neighborhood, okay? But uh, the, when it was 1948, there was the War of Independence and the Jews living in the old city were exiled and they had nowhere to go. And many Arabs left Jerusalem and they left their houses like that, they just abandoned them. So the a whole neighborhood called Katamon, which is like southern Jerusalem. So the new Israeli government told all these families, squatter, take a house, take any house you want. Just go there and grab a house. So they ran and they all started grabbing houses. Right, Moshe Shapira, his family took one house. The Borsteins took a house, all these of families from the old city. So there was one family, Rubenstein, they also took a house, they only found like a small room. That's all they had, that's what they got. And um, the rich, when they started having more children, the, the husband told the, the, the wife, the mother, it's not going to be good to raise our kids in this neighborhood. There's all types of secular Jews and, and, and bad people on the streets and everything. We're not going to be able to properly raise our children here. The best place so far is Ma'ashireen. But we can't afford Mashari. we can't afford it. So she heard from her husband that this is not good for the chinich of the children. She said, that's the case, that's the case. And she was like a very good woman, like a very strong, determined woman. He, he was just in davening and learning. She took care of everything. <laughs> you don't have that today. But she, the woman, she, she said to her husband, come back when you want. He got up at chatzot, davening, learning, that was him. Because she was happy to have married a real Tamil chacham. And he, she, she appreciated that. And she took on the burden of everything so she tried to sell the house but it was going to be an impossible task because the house in Mea sharim back then cost, look at the amounts 750 Lira that was the currency then and she was able to sell her her little house in Mea sharim uh, sorry, in in Bekatamon for 500 Lira so she sold it for 500 Lira and then the next day after she sold it two guys dressed up like as government guys they knocked on 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 the door and they said to her, who gave you the right to sell this house? you know, you didn't even buy it, it's not even yours so you know, we get half. So she said, okay. She gave them 250 lira. They left. People in the neighborhood heard what happened. They said to her, you're nuts. Those people, they were frauds. They weren't real guys. They just took advantage of you. So I heard, instead of going, a normal person, when that's what happened to them, you have now a house, you're trying to buy a house for 750, you sold your house for 500, now you left only 250, so no person would go crazy. What the hell? what happened? Like they call police and do crazy things, right? So she, what she said, what what use is it to cry over milk that's spilled? It's an expression, right? Well, you don't you don't cry over the milk that's spilled. She said, I'll continue. So she she was strong. Look how she had such emuna. She went. She was scared to keep to keep so much money by her. Two hundred fifty liras is like half of the house. You know, that's a it's a lot of money back then. So she was really scared to keep this money at home for, for robbers and everything. So she figured the safest place to keep this money would be by the, the Beit Din. There's a rabbi called the To'en Rabani. He's like the representative of the, of the Beit Din. She went to the Rav, at the time, Rav Yitzhak Yafe, and she said, I want to keep this money, to sold my house. And he asked, he was interested, he said, "Were you planning to move. And she said, we're planning to move to Me'a but we can't afford it, we're trying our best. I, 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 so because of that, I, I'm, I'm willing to take the, the most uncomfortable and upside-down house. If even it's on the top floor, no steps, you know, big steps, and the bathroom in the courtyard, wherever, a bathroom shared by many apartments. She said, I wouldn't take that even. He said, you have little kids? She said, yes, of course. I said, you have to go for the best. You don't go for something like that. Go for the best. She, she heard that, gave her such confidence, she went for the best. So she found a beautiful apartment, exactly what she needed. The first floor, second floor, two, three rooms, bathroom inside, but 750, she doesn't have that money. So she, and, and her husband said, he didn't promise you anything. He just said to get the best house. But he didn't say he's going to help you. She said, but he, he, that was like from Hashem talking. She said, that was Hashem talking to me. Go for the best. So she went back to get the money. And, you know, it's not, it's not enough to buy the apartment. But she said, Hashem should help. So she gets to this rav, this twin rabbani. And <laughs> he says, no, what's happening? She said, I came to pick up the money. He said, you found an apartment? She said, yes. Mm-hmm. How much? 750 He said, guess what? When you left, I said to myself, I have to help mm-hmm. this lady. I have to help this family. I got together for you 500 liras. <laughs> 500 plus 250, 750. And that's, she went with such emuna, okay? But the attitude was amazing. Look at this woman. She didn't cry over the 250 that they I stole from her. That's what he collected. I don't know how he did it. We don't know, this, I don't know part of the story. He was able to get together 500 liras to, for them to buy a nice, normal house, which was, at the time, what was it, that, that's what they needed for their kids in Yashar. Unbelievable, huh? And now it's worth million. Who knows how much it's worth yeah, now, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, what's the thing now? That Avelut has no room. What is Avelut in Judaism? Everything is positive thinking, positive thinking. <coughs> right? No. This this nigun, Munkachonigun, it was composed on the train, on the way to the death camps, on the way to Auschwitz. Right, the mooncatcher Chazan, he's the fastag. He's the one who he wrote it. While while on, on and they got every, the whole train. When they when he started singing it, they all stopped crying and moaning and everything, and they sang with him. They just forgot all the problems. There's no toilet there. They're they're, they're dying, starving, thirsty, no, no air to breathe, and they're smells because they have nowhere else to make on. They're on the floor on the train. Just imagine how gaynam it was on the train, where I tracks on train the trains to, to Auschwitz. And all of a sudden, everyone just disappears like on a, on a high, and he start singing with him, Ani Ma okay? You're taking something negative, and you're interpreting Be'emun HaMashiach, now I believe that this is, a, this is the stepping stone of Mashiach, and with that in mind I can handle what I'm going through. That's not Avelut, Avelut is opposite. Avelut is you're going backwards, what's going on here? What's going on here? So this lesson, beautifully answers it. We didn't get to this, we spoke about it in the beginning of the shir, we didn't get to again where we're holding. But we, we, coming up, we're going to be speaking about hitting this bounce, this wall, the prisa, the keter. I'll go over quickly just ideas. He said, he started, Rabbeinu, saying that by doing mitzvot bisimcha, you elevate the holiness from the klipot. You're able to take out the holiness trapped in the klipot and elevate them. Where do you elevate them to? the first set of trio sphero. They're called Netzach Hod Yesod. This is the area of the legs. Malchut of holiness is the kedusha that's trapped in the evil. By doing mitzvot be'simcha, you're able to destroy the klipot to kill them, like the Ktoret, like we said the Ktoret has the same idea, and elevates the malchut, which is the kedusha trapped up to the leg area called Netzach Hod Yesod. Once that happens, the mitzvah now is arousing it goes to rouse the whole creation back to Hashem. That's the power of a mitzvah. He says the power of a mitzvah, we didn't get to this here. This is a, I'm giving you like a preview of what's coming yeah, up. The, the mitzvah, what? Yeah, the map. The map, yeah, here's the map. Right. So malchut, is the, by doing the mitzvah of a simcha, this comes out of the Klippot. There's the Klippot over here in the underneath. It goes up now. The energy of this goes up. He says it's mitlabesh, It enclothes. It, like a clothing, a garment for Netzach Hod Yesod. All three. So now you have this energy plus three, three energy together. Apple. They go up now to the hand area. Chesed, Gvura. Chesed is the right hand. Gvura is left hand. Tiferet is the torso. So this energy encloses these three. So that's going, it's, in, and it's accumulating. The energy of Malchut plus Netzach Hod Yesod is now in netzach, uh, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferet. So it's packed with energy now. And then these three once now you start using the hands to receive what's called bracha you start bringing down bracha already the main bracha is called intellect awareness of hashem so now everything goes up to connect to keter chochma bina or chochma bina dad but in the lesson he says keter chochma bina okay it goes up at this point now the keter you can't go past it in the mitzvah the energy due to the simcha there's simcha here. There's simcha here. There's simcha here, and there's also simcha here. But once you hit the keter, you have to stop. You bounce, and the bounce automatically means it's the opposite of simcha. Because now, if now we're in a up, up, up beat, uh, you know, motion. There's a motion going. That there's a like a locomotive. There's an energy force that's going up, 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 and all of a sudden you hit a bounce. And the bounce is pushing to the opposite direction. So automatically, if, if, if Simcha is causing towards, upwards, and now the bounce is going the opposite direction. So that means it's the antithesis of Simcha, it's which is direction. mourning, which is avilut, the idea of, of Avelut. Is the of Simcha? No, because there's not, not a to be atzvut. This is in Kedusha. Avelut is, is a broken heart. Avilut, There's no mitzvah ever to be sad, God forbid. There's no mitzvah to ever be sad. The broken heart? Yes. Atzvud, We're going to go to atzvod today. What, what is atzvod exactly? Atzvod is dangerous. There's no room for a Jew to have atzvod ever. Okay? Keter. You hit the keter. Picture. And, and you bounce back. Okay. He said in the lesson, in these three groups, you see there's three, there's three groups, there's three stages. One, two, three. Malchut going up to Netzachod Yesod, and then Netzachod Yesod going up to Chesed Grootiveret, and then Chesed Grootiveret going up to Chokhma Binadat or Keta Chokhma Bina, three stages, and also there's three columns. Okay? And he says there's three in two ways. There's three in the three groups here, one, two, three, and there's three columns. When they hit the Keter, they become intermingled. So it becomes three times three, each one is included in the other three. We didn't go into that at all. Okay? This is totally new for us. There's something totally new here. We'll go into it when we reach it. But just except for now. There's Chochmah, Bina, Da'at. There's three columns. Each one, see Bina's on the top of the, of the left column. is on the top of the right column. And Keter, Da'at is the top of the middle. So they represent three types of intellect. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. All this now is enhanced because you're doing the mitzvah Simcha. The mitzvah symbol is going up, up, up. It's now it's enhancing your your chokmah, bina dat. They hit the keter, and it wham. It, it's a, it, it becomes like a, a smash that mixes them together, so it becomes three times three, which equals nine. Because now the bina is now intermingled with chokmah, so there's chokmah of bina, dat of bina, bina of bina. So that's three. Then you have bina of dat, dat of dat, chokmah of dat. That's another three. Then you have Bina Chochmah, Da'at Chochmah, Chochmah, Chochmah. So it's three times three, 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 that's nine. Okay? So the nine chambers, Rabbeinu says coming up in this lesson, are created by bouncing. You create now nine vessels that through them, you can perceive the infinite light, what we spoke about in the very beginning. You can get this light even though it's unreachable, you can still attain it even though you're not on a, a physical level. This, <laughs> yeah. this has to do with the acts with, um, with the Nelev Nishbar and Avelis that's going down. No, that's a separate right, thing. The Kiddush I wanted to bring up is this the idea of the nine days. This Rah- is the idea Rah- of Rah- the Rah- nine days. Rah- you're not, you're the sh- nine sh- days. Sh- yeah, yeah, but it, no, it's, listen. There are halachot, there are minhagim starting from Yudzai mm-hmm. Betanus. There are Minagim starting from Rosh Chodesh Av, and there's Minagim starting from Shavuot Shekhalbo, okay? So the Ashkenazim, they took everything from Shavuot Shechalbo, pushed it off to Rosh Chodesh Nisan. In the Sephardim, they start certain things from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and certain things. For example, Moroccans, we stop eating meat from Rosh Chodesh Av also. Just like Ashkenazim, there's no meat, okay? Oh, come on. Okay, shower and everything. <laughs> it's supposed to be Shabu Shachalbo, which this week, this year, there's no Shabu Shachalbo. The week of the Shabbat. I what? what? Yeah, no, There's a joke. What does an Ashkenazi say to another Ashkenazi? I heard hear the joke yesterday. Zay Masriach, right? Zay Masriach. During the nine days. Okay. In any event, this idea of mourning. What is mourning? Mourning is take accepting the bounce, bouncing back, and you have Nishbar, You have sorrow, but you're not, again, we don't fall into the into sadness and depression. That's, as- that's is forbidden. But it's a brokenheartedness. What's a brokenheartedness? That I want to advance and I'm being prevented. I'm being bounced back. And I accept the bounce. It hurts, but I accept it because this is the only way to advance. The exact same thing now for mourning. We're mourning over what? The Beta HaMikdash. We have no idea what the Beit HaMikdash is. We're all born into Tumatmet. It's the past 2,000 years we're all born into darkness <laughs> compared to what actual light was there like the Chazal describe in the Gemara and in the Midrash and in the Mishnah. They tell us what light was there, Hirochuva. when you hear how they describe what was in the Beit Midash, you can't imagine how was it destroyed? How did, how did the Jews have such a Yetzahara that after having such a light and experience that they can have it destroyed? There was such. You have to understand when they entered the Beit Hamikdash. It was like a revelation, a gilu of, of godliness at the highest levels. You know, people woke up. So you can imagine if that was existing. Where was their free will? Where was the free will? There was at such a high level that the, the, the yidden at the time of the Beit Hamikdash they would walk in. It would change them. It would change them. That was the idea of bringing a beima and the kapar and everything. The Kwanim were busy doing their things. The levim are singing, and the the jews bringing the korban. It's his. It's his, it's his therapy to get to do tshuva and everything, he walks, all this happening for is for him, the him and everything, what they're doing, they're busy doing their stuff, but the Israel is the one who's bringing the korban, he now has the time to, well, what did I do, and this and that, and through his charata and everything he's a change it to a new person, he has a big light, okay? We're crying over this being lost, also, tzaddikim, the death of tzaddikim, what's the death of tzaddikim? It's not just, it's, it's most of us, we never really had such close proximity to a real tzaddik. We have no idea what a real tzaddik is, what he looks like. You know, we see tzaddikim in rabbis. How much do I miss him? Okay, I, <laughs> how much? How Rav how they interpreted the breast live is the light of the tzaddik in? is when you learn the tzaddik's Torah and you get a zap. You get zapped. You begin to see things at a totally different level. You feel your, Avodat Hashem just boosted 5,000. You start wanting to get up at midnight. You start davening nets. You have all of a sudden superhuman strength to serve Hashem. You start watching your Yerudu Shemaat Ainaim, Shemaat brit. You start really going at high levels. You start now working on your Sadarim and doing Tshuva and all types of things and working on yourself. Again, you have this big, big light that you experience that's pushing you towards this and you feel like you have no more free will. It was taken away. I'm in a big, such a big light, of Yer of Emunah, of Bitachom, and it's a big level. And it lasts for a period. For some people it lasts for a day, some people a week, some people a month, some people a year, some people a few years. They about Rav Zushava Napoli, he was able to continue with his initial light that he got from his Rabbi, the Maggid of for 22 years or 21 years. 21 to 22 years, Reb Zusha was able to continue on a high for 21, 22 years, okay, until it began to ebb. When that light is taken away, so that is like a very painful experience. You have these elders that I've seen in Breslev, 60 years old, 70, 80, 90. By them, when they describe, for example, what it was like in Uman or this and that, they begin to cry. And when they explain the people that they knew, and they say, you have no clue what, type, what, what level these people are holding at. Rav Lev I think he said once, that he, Rav Yitzhak Bender, sorry, was the rest of her elder. who lived in Uman. He explains that once he got up at midnight, they, 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 they were very, like, very amazing. You can't imagine. First of all, to get up at midnight, most people, they have no idea what it is. But once you've tasted getting up at Chatzot, it's, it's a different ballgame. It's a different learning, different davening, a different taste of Dveku that you've never in your life experienced. If you have the z'chut, to to get up chatzot, and you know what has to be done. You have a seder, Tikkun chatzot, Hidbodedud, mikveh, whatever, and all these things, learning, Svarim, Gemara, whatever, Mishnayot, rest of Svarim, going to Kibrit Tzadikim. Tasting that, it's a different world. People have no idea what we're talking about. It's like a different language. People know what? You wake up in the morning, you go to Davin, you take your coffee, you have breakfast, you go to kollel. you learn eight hours a day, Gemara, Poskim, you go home, my honey, what's for dinner? And you go to sleep and that's life. And, and the learning, the Gishmak, is maybe maximum on a Friday night Tish, maybe by some Rebbe or Shabbos or in Meron or something, that's for people the maximum. But the taste on a daily level, getting up at midnight and being face-to-face of Gan Eden, People have no idea. You can't give it over until a person tasted it themselves. It's like someone whose neighbor never tasted a burger. You can't explain to him how the burger tastes. Yes, you have to taste it yourself, man. I can't explain to you. You have to taste it. So too, with this idea of chatzot, okay? Where Levi Yitzhak Bender explained the people, the type of people that were in Uman, and what they did to connect to Hashem was unheard of. They said once he woke up at midnight, he went to the mikveh, and he went to do chatzot and hidbodedut by the Rabbi Nachman's kever. And it was in the middle of the winter, freezing cold, 16-hour uh, long winter nights, okay? The, the winter nights are very long in the Ukraine. You can go up to 16 hours. So he got up at midnight. He went to the mikve and everything. He went to Rabbi Nachman's kever. And there was snow piled covering the entire door, entrance to the kever. Back then there was an old wooden uh, stone-built house on Rabbi Nachman's kever that his second wife built from 1810. It was standing from 1810 until the Nazis blew it up in 1941, 1942. <clears throat> so he had the key. He went, I think it was the by the way, or he's telling the story of another brother who did this. <clears throat> he gets to the kever. there's snow piled up, and he said to himself, oh God, it's a lot of snow to get rid of, to, to move. So he started moving the snow, and all of a sudden he sees, while he's moving the snow, the snow, is, shh, the snow is moving, the snow is moving. <laughs> he moves the snow, there's somebody underneath the snow. There was a breast liver who came. He didn't have the key, so he waited there and he started doing his and he got so connected at midnight, he didn't pay attention to the snow piling up on him. In, in Ukraine, the snow is very harsh. It's like, like New York now, you know, little flakes went to Newland. It's it comes shooting down. I've had that happen before. A Ukrainian snowstorm is like the worst. If you want Gainam of Shelig, I think it's a Ukrainian snowstorm, okay? It's crazy. It comes, when there's wind, wind factor, and it's piling down. So he just started his devotion, got so connected, he didn't pay attention to the snow piling up in him, and it piled up and he was under the snow. I guess he had some move to breathe, and he was talking, I don't know exactly. And then, and then well, luckily, when the came, he started to, to ruin the snow. He said, look, I'm moving. The snow's moving. <laughs> unbelievable. He survived? Hey, what? I obviously, survived. Obviously, yeah. It, uh, Hello. Unbelievable. Hello. You see the story of Hillel? Exactly. Exactly. That's the example we have for the love of Avasatora. And here's someone, a simple in, in in Eastern Ukraine, in Eastern Europe, Ukraine, 1930s, 1920s, not at the level of hill necessarily, but feeling that dvekut. So these elders, when they told over the devotions and what they saw in Uman, they began to cry because that was their high. That, you know, there was another breast liver, Herschel he's buried here in uh, in Har Zaytim. So he was part of the group of the Ovdim, uh, the Oivdim, the quote-unquote Oivdim. These guys would get up every night at midnight they would crack the ice on the river below Rabbi Nachman's kever. No longer today. There used to be a river. It's dried up now. In the winter, there's water there. Okay. They would crack the ice. Okay. They would take a straw to make a little bonfire next to the river, and two people would hold the guy. He would undress. They would. He would. They would quickly dunk him in, and quickly pull him out. Because if you don't pull him out quickly, he can lose the hole and get chasesham <laughs> sucked down with the flow of the river under the cracked ice, okay? So they would dunk themselves, each other, in this cracked ice at midnight and then warm themselves up quickly to the next to the, the straw, okay? And then from there, after heating up a little, go straight from there to a forest for two hours of Dut and to stay alive and not to freeze to death they would be doing like jumping jacks and running around for two hours, okay? You hear this, you say that's absolutely crazy. That's, that's ab- absolutely b- extreme. That's, ab- that's absolutely <laughs> abnormal. That's that they start getting nana. <laughs> nana, whatever, maybe mustama. B- <laughs> <laughs> exactly, okay? But these people, they would do two hours in Boradut on one line of the Moran that they learned during the day. The day before, they would learn one line of Likute Moran and the guy giving the shares, his name was Bof-Get-Sys, Baruch Getchis. he would bring all the Gemara and Midrash and Zoran, everything he needed to know, on that one line. And they would learn it, you like, for two, three, four hours straight, and then they would do hidbo do that night for two hours to ask Hashem to come to the ideas mentioned in this one line. <laughs> okay? We have no idea. And then from there, they would go to the Clois, and then uh, the, the Tzion, one hour hidbo by the Tzion, Tikkun whatever, and then go to Davin and Netz, Okay? This type of people, and for them, that was normal. <laughs> for them, that was acceptable. Us, we hear that and say, no way, no no way. <laughs> so when the elders of Breslai would remember these type of people, they would cry. Why would they cry? Because they knew that these people were riding on a different type of fuel. You have people riding on unleaded, leaded, solar, you know, all types of different fuels. They were riding on nuclear nuclear atom bomb fuel with these people. They were riding on a different fuel level that they were able to do this. You know, it's not just in Bresla, but you have all these stories of, of tzaddikim. whether it's the Litvish world, the Hasidish world, the Mesir Nefesh they did to, to serve Hashem, and you say, today we don't have that at all. What were they running on? They were running on a light, which we don't have today. Okay? That's the korban That they had access to this light that led them to do like that. And it was normal for It wasn't considered too much. For us, it's too much. It, someone today does that. The, that that killed the, themselves. I remember, in Me'a Sharim there was a young boy. I remember him clearly, thirteen years old. He started to fast from Shabbat to Shabbat, okay, and he died. He died. He died like a year later. He was fasting from Friday to from Shabbat to Shabbat. Took upon himself all these crazy things and davening all day and, and this and that. You can see it was on a high and it was. You can see he was like an a but it didn't last. Doesn't doesn't work out today. He died. He died from malnutrition and everything. He, he killed himself. 13, 14, 15 years old. Lasted like a, a year, two years. Okay? Breast uh, liver? Breast liver, yeah, unfortunately. Today, that's considered rebuyor. That's what I'm saying. Back then, when you heard these stories, and the people didn't die the next day, they did this for weeks and weeks and months, and it was considered normal for them. Okay? What are they running on? shalom. What are they running on? They're running on a different level of fuel. This is the light of the tzaddikim. This is the light of the Beta HaMikdash, okay? This is, when this is taken away, someone who experienced that or was facing, seeing such a thing, he compares that to what he has now. It's like the Gemara says, you had when in Baycheni, when the Jews came back from, from Paras and Madai and Bavel, they came back from the 70 years of Galut to the second Beta HaMikdash, the elders were crying and the young people who didn't see the first temple, the elders who've, who remember the first Beit HaMikdash, were crying. The young people were born in Babel and they see for the first time when they left the Beit HaMikdash, it's like a Baal coming to the Kotel, you know, for the first time in his life. La-la-la, la-la-la, you know, he's flipping out, right? Because this is his first experience to light. The old elder people, they were crying, the Gemara says. Why were they crying? Because they saw the present Beit Cheni They compared it... To what they saw. I saw what a real Beit Migdash is. When there was the, you know, it says in the second Beit beta there were things missing. There wasn't the full, it wasn't the full, the full show. There was the, the shamir, the Shai, the, the shamir was missing, you know, there were certain things. The the HaKodesh was missing, you know. There were things that there were things that were that, that weren't there in the second bite. So it was an extra light in the first bite. So when the elders came, they said this is not like it was the first bite. They started to cry. Why are you crying? Because they tasted something more powerful. So why cry? Be happy. You know, be, be positive. At this is the temple. They say, I'm, I'm happy. But, like he's saying in this lesson, the way to experience true Simcha is there has to be a bounce. There has to be an Avelut, a bouncing back. And if you bounce, if you accept the bounce back properly, which is initial Lev nishbar, initial brokenness, and accepting the situation, and from the brokenness, you can then get to true simcha. It brings you the nechama. It's like they say, pe'er tachat efer. Efer is ashes, burned down. It's the same letters as pe'er, glory. Our our goal is la okay. sum la vele tzion pe'er tachat efer. The goal is to those who mourn over tzion. So Shem gives, turns their ashes efer aleph to pe'er tachat efer. This pe'er hit parut pe, the efer is the key of the Hidpah root. You would think, what are you mourning about? What are you crying about? This is the key. Not sadness, not absolute chasteh but a brokenness of comparing the situation. I need this. This is the bounce of the Keter in the picture, right? This is bouncing the Keter, going back down. You need that. You need to hit the Keter and then go back down in order that these nine should become a keli to receive the light of the Ein So these nine days, if you want to say where it gets intense, right? You see, there's tests from Yud's Ein Betamuz, there's little tests happening. And then from the, I mean, people's eyes, I, I see this. A crazy, the craziest, unexpected things happen already from Yud's Ein Betamuz. And then from Rosh Chodesh Av. And then, if we have it normally, in a normal year, Shavuot Shechalbo, and then Tisha Be'av. Tisha Be'av, though, is the break is that where everything stops, because it's considered, there's no it's a moed. It's going to be turned into a moed. And today also, we don't say tachanun on, on uh, Tisha B'Av. There's no tachanun, right? You know, you know, you know that, because it's going to be a moed. But already, that we don't say tachanun, and we don't do vidu and stuff on Tisha B'Av, shows already that this, like, we've stopped. There's the morning, we're mourning, and yet, it's like, okay, I've gone through already, everything I've gone through up to Tisha B'Av, and now is the expression of all that pain, and all that obstacles and everything. The craziest things happened for me, this, this from Rosh Chodesh Av You know, a phone call, you missed the bus, this, crazy things that normally don't happen, they start happening in the three weeks. And then from Rosh Chodesh Av, even more. Things unexpected. And you start blaming this, blaming that, hear me, mind by me. I, I have a swollen ankle since one day. I have a swollen ankle. It started, do boom. You'd say, you'd tamuz. all of a sudden, this, that, boom, bang. Things happen, okay? If you have eyes, the more you're into these things, into seeing Hashem in your life, the more you see obstacles and difficulties popping up in the end of three weeks, okay? All this is the bounce. If you accept the bounce, acknowledge it, do mourning, there's a brokenheartedness, not, sad, not sorrow, not atzvut, if you accept it, this will eventually be a vessel to receive the light. That's pe'er tachat efer, that the efer that you're going through, the ashes of the obstacles you're going through, and the difficulties, yeah, and, then, and the pain you're experiencing be, because of everything you're going through, you accept it, you, you first of all a, a, a acknowledge it, acknowledge the pain, and then you accept it, it turns from efer, ashes, to pear. This is the idea of the morning. This is why this period is really a big, a big, uh, a, a big stepping stone. Like we said in the name of the market is of Mizritch, kol you remember? kol rodef yud he sig, Vavke, Hisigua, Kol Rodfeah, it's a pasuk in Necha, in Kol sigua Hisigua, bena all those who pursued Zion, Yerushalayim, all the enemies, the Nebuchadnezzar, and all the enemies, the Romans, Hisigua, bena between Yudzaim, Metamuz, and, and uh, Tisha B'av. and the Magid would say, someone who really wants to come close to Hashem, this is the time, these 21 days, are, is the time, Kol Rodef, Yudkei, you're looking for closeness to Hashem, you can, he sigua, he Hisigua, Hisig, vavke. Okay? Yud Kevav Ke's is this time. That's just this period where we're going through. This is the attitude we should have This So we're going to continue now where we left off. Sif Bet, lesson 24, Kavdalit. Okay? We left off, if you remember, on this, uh, the, we're like a, a few lines into the beginning, right? I'll just quickly read where until, until we get to the point where we're holding. Veda, Sheev Shalasi go to Aphilibi Khilat Matebila We did this again. All this we did. This is now new. It now explains what are the Klipot. This wouldn't even explanation. What is Klipot? You hear this term? What are they? Okay? The translation of the word klipa. Literally is a peel like an orange peel a banana peel. What is the purpose of the peel? The peel Protects what's within it. It's a cover, but once you discard the klipa, Once you discard the orange peel you have no use at all for the orange peel you throw in the garbage has no purpose I pass through the peel in order to get to the orange to get to the banana. That's a klipa, okay? But in itself it has no value at all. So he says, klipot bechinat motarot. The idea of a klipa is what's called excess. First example of what we spoke about is you have an orange and you have the peel on the orange. The peel is protecting the fruit. So too, the purpose of the klipot, believe it or not, is a positive purpose. You would take the klipot as something negative and bad. The goal of the klipot is in order to, number one, allow a person to reach higher levels of Kedusha. The only way a person can go up is if he first goes down. Goes down. <laughs> person cannot go up unless he has a down first. It's a rule. All the tzaddikim, Chaim, smiling and everything, they don't tell you about his downs in life. They just tell you about the good things he did and he was such a tzaddik and everything. But they don't tell you the hardships and the aliyot and yaridot, and That they don't tell you, okay? Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman, in his book, Sheik Chayran he tells you what he went through every day. He said the tests he had in eating, the tests he had in anger, the tests he had in, in, in Shemrata Yenayim. Rabbi Nachman, can you believe it? In Sheik Chayran. he said he had, in one day he had a thousand ups and downs. Okay? He's telling us his secret. Where do you find Sadiqim telling you their secrets to success? About everything they went through. He tells us exactly what he went through, all the crazy things he went through. He said he had Tawataqila and he had anger and he had bilbulim and he had you know major doubts and, and he went through crazy He said he goes through all in detail what he went through and how he was able to, to bypass everything. His determination to no matter how much he fell, even in one day, to keep on getting up and starting again. He would start again, he said, in one day, hundreds of times. He, one hour, okay, take up by myself. To serve a and everything, and then right after an hour he would cheat on eating or fall and this and that, and he would feel down about himself. He said, If I already fell, so I might have just the whole day went faithful, the whole day went lost. No, he would start again. And he said he started again in one day, a few hundred times, in one day even, okay? The klipot is the key for preserving a person's holiness in that sense, okay? Klipot, he says here, are what's called motarot. Motarot means, translates as an excess. Okay? This now we're going to open this up a lot. There's many dimensions and ways how to how to look at this idea. Okay, when you have true simcha in yourself, and we said already, true simcha is only when it's connected to a mitzvah. There can be no simcha in this world. This world in itself, there's no simcha. There's no simcha now buying a beautiful Ferrari. Okay, someone who spent two hundred thousand dollars he bought a beautiful Ferrari, or three million dollars he bought a new beautiful house in Five Towns, and okay, and. If he's happy, he can't be happy in that. There will be something to ruin it. It's not true happiness. What is true happiness? Is when I'm able to do a mitzvah. So now I bought a big house because now I plan to have 20 rooms of achnasat orchim, and I have I plan to have tons of food for Shabbos for all these 500 guests every Shabbos. That brings true simcha now. I, I bought the house for, for the mitzvah and I'm, I'm not trying to play a game. I'm sincere, I'm honest about it, okay? Simchat mitzvah. when a person has true simcha, and also, when he has nothing, how could you be b'simcha if you have nothing? Because on you, you carry a few mitzvot wherever you go. The one big thing is that you have a brit milah on you. Like David the Melech said once, when he was in the shower, how can I be connected to the God when I'm in the, in the bathing? I have no mitzvot, I'm naked. No tzitzit, tzit, no tefillin, nothing. So remember that he had a brit milah. So you think, what we you do? A brit milah was done when I was eight days old. What does it help me now? The idea of a brit milah is every second that you have a brit milah on you, it's a mitzvah. You hear that? Unbelievable. He says, Rabbi Nachman, Lesson 23, It's a pasuk, right? So Rabbi Nachman says, every Jew is called a tzaddik by virtue of having a brit milah. You hear that? By virtue of having a brit milah, even if a person is the worst person in the world and he's pogemba by brit even, but the fact that he has a brit milah on him, and he didn't even do it, his parents did it. Okay, it wasn't his doing, even. That is enough to make a person to feel connected to Hashem. You can have what's called simcha on this mitzvah that I walk around with and also the mitzvah that like we said, the, the Birolachah, the way the first Birolachah in the Mishnah Boreh says, you just think of certain aspects of Hashem, it's already credited to a mitzvah. You have six, six, no, no, no. six of them, right? In the first Birolachah, right? Yeah. You have simcha ta mitzvah with you. Simcha is inside of you, okay? Motarot is when a person feels unsatisfied with himself, and he feels his satisfaction will be fulfilled elsewhere. The grass is greener on the side. The per- this is the idea of addiction, by the way. A person feels a drive to eat that donut. I feel the drive to smoke that cigarette, alcohol. I have drive to be pogemba the drive to, to, to see a certain movie, whatever, the drive that a person subconsciously, he feels, I have to do this, he goes outwards to try to feel satisfaction, that's motarot excess, it's not inside of you. Motarot means it's outside of the person, and he feels my satisfaction will come if I run there. Guess what? He says, these are, these are empty. This is totally empty. He says, it only leads to sadness. It doesn't lead to satisfaction. There'll be no feeling complete and satisfaction in life. No joy, no contentment. Just the opposite. It makes it even worse. When, when, you, when you're lying in line buying groceries for Shabbat and you see that chocolate bar, you, say, you don't need the chocolate bar, but you buy it anyways, okay? You eat it, you gulp it down, and afterwards you don't feel good. You feel bad you start screaming at somebody and this, you don't wear, why am I, what is happening to me? All of a sudden things happen, you know that's because of the chocolate bar that you had, you didn't need it. Once a person opens himself up to motarot, he now accesses himself, accesses himself <clears throat> to the klipot. They have now access to him. Why? Because he didn't feel sipuk, which means satisfaction with himself. When a Jew experiences true, true simcha, he has no need for ta'avot. The idea of addictions, right now they have all these things on how to control addictions and everything. The backbone idea of controlling them is the person has to train, they train a person, that's the idea, of having self-contentment. When you reach a level where you're happy with your connection to Hashem, you feel no need for anything. When you're on a high of Hashem, you don't feel a need for anything outside. Everything's here. When when a person now has too much and he crashes, and yeah, also that happens that a person is really flying in Yiddish and everything and then after such a high it's in such a crash, where did it come from? That's, a, that's another problem, that it was too intense, he had the Keter, he did not accept the bounce. So by crashing, feeling empty about himself, not being able to accept the bounce, automatically he goes to cigarettes, alcohol, pornography, whatever, he goes elsewhere to try to chasr shalom satisfied, but that's about Tarot, okay, it's empty. Number two, Another point is the Klippot themselves have no kedusha at all in them, whatsoever. whatsoever. The we said, if you remember, there's ten sfirot of holiness, and there's eleven spherot in the tuma. That's why kli Torah has eleven fragrances to counter the eleven of the evil. We said that last in the last year uh, on the Likudim tamron. Okay, what's the idea? <laughs> there's ten. There's ten spirits. From the 10 became 11, well, what's going on? So we said, the Arvizal explains, that the 10th spherot of the klipot, they have no access to the 10th sphere of holiness. The 10th spirit of holiness give them nothing directly. So what has to be done, from the last sphere of kedusha, which is makhut, which corresponds to Chelbena. Chelbena is the bad smelling fragrance of the of 11 the fragrances of the Torah. okay? From the Chelbena which in the whole, there's a holiness part of it, but there's the bad smell, becomes number 11 of the impurity. Levona, Levona is from the Look the same letters, you see that? In Khelbena you have Levona, which is frankincense. Frankincense is not one of the 10 spheres. it's called Makif. That results says Makif. That says this is why all sorcerers, all witchcraft, all idolatries, even you know the Christians, when they have their khtor that they wave in their, their temples and everything, they all use levona, the Arizal points out. All the witches are, when they make smoke and, and 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 incenses and fragrances, they all use levona. Levona in English is translated as frankincense. Okay, it's called Levona. They use this thing because this is the gateway for the Tuma. The gateway is the idea of Levona. The Levona, the Ktorid is to combat the Levona of the Klipah. It's formed from what? from Malchud is created a number 11, and from this number 11, indirectly are created the 10 spheroth of, 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 the, of the klipot. They're, they're made from this levona, this point of holiness which was stolen, taken from khebenah of Kdusha, becomes the levona of this evil sign. It's a bit deep. I'm trying to explain it as best as possible. And this creates the 10 there. What's the idea? These 10 spheroth of the impurity, they have no kedusha inside of them whatsoever. As opposed to the 10 spirit of holiness, Chesed, Gvua, Tiferet, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, etc., of holiness, they have inside of them Kedusha. The Kedusha is in the spirit, okay? The impurity, they have their boring light from number 11. Levona, the corresponding of Levona and evil, it sheds its light into the Chesed of the Klipa, the Gvuah of the Klipa, but they have nothing inside of them. As opposed to Kedusha, the spirit of holiness, the Kedusha is inside. This is the lesson of life. Holiness, Kedusha, of a Jew is in here. It's in you don't have to go far. Hadavar. When you want, when you're looking to connect to Hashem, it's not gonna be far. It's it's accessible. It's putting on the tefillin, it's keeping Shabbat, it's the tzitzit, it's things which are within your reach. But the person says, no, no, I have to take a vacation. I have to go all the way to Maui. I have to go to Hawaii. I need to take a vacation. I have to buy that big house and all the money for And I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to buy this cigarettes. I have no money right now in my pocket, but I have to get that chocolate bar. Whatever a person feels the need to fill himself up is there. It's grass is green over there. No. In Judaism, the yid inside of you is your solution. It's inside of you. What you have to do is to reveal it. You have to open it up. So this is the idea of a klipa." as opposed to the Kedusha. The klipa is an excess. It's Motarot. He says it's unnecessary. That's the definition of the klipa. Okay? You don't need, it's, it's out of you. When a person begins to feel that I have to, I need a break, I got to run away, I got to do this, so he should know he's under the dominion of the Klippa. That's the definition now. And you guys got to work fast. What can I do now to get out of this? The way to get out is finding Simcha in, in myself. How can I find Simcha? I feel empty now. So something crazy happens to you now, and you can't think. You can't. You can't even be positive. What do you want? So a person has to take a break. Yishevadat. That's the ideal. Uh, uh, the ideal scenario to, to to have some calmness, to just you know stop, take a break, breathe in, take a deep breath, to do like this type of meditation of breathing, and then to reconnect with uh, with, with oneself. The, when, when a person has an attack. And he feels he has to run to the klipot to try to get satisfaction. It's like he has this burning. It's not stopping. It's a fire, fire burning within him. And I have to do something. I have to do. I have to do something crazy with that, right? Uh, if now a person stops that, he's able to stop that by just wait, wait. Before going to do that, let me just take a break. We said we said in the last class, I think, about Aaron. Remember, we went did we didn't go into this about the chetah again. <laughs> the Zora says, <clears throat> how did the act of creating the golden calf succeed? Because, the Zohar says, Aharon received the gold directly from the hands of the Erev Rav. We went into this, you remember? Right? Mm-hmm. It says in the Zohar, Rabbi Nechman lesson 22 goes into the Zohar. The Zohar says, if after receiving the gold from the Erev Rav, Aharon Aqen would throw it on the ground and then have picked it up, uvda <speaking> This act of the golden calf would never have happened. If there was a break, in between the receiving, the energy, they had, their, they had their evil energy, evil intent, and when they took off the gold, the bracelets, and the earrings, and the nose rings, whatever they took off thereof, and they gave it to Aaron, they gave it with the, with the energy in their hands. If now, after, it connects to our lesson about the hands also, by the way, which we didn't go into yet, the idea of the, of the, the bracha, the, the adayn, if now Aaron would have then thrown it to the earth, that would, like, you know, in, in electricity, there's what's called grounding when you want to ground something, you connect it to the earth, the, the electric flow stops when you want to stop an electric flow, you ground it it's called electricity, if you learn, uh, if you, uh, what's, the, what's, that, what's that science called again? not electric, electricity, why physics? in physics, when you learn physics, it, there's an idea of grounding something you ground it to the earth when you have electric flow and there's like an electric, uh, you touch something so you have to ground the, the item in order that the flow should stop okay? so so too spiritually our own. If we would just break the flow, throw it to the earth, and then picked it up, it wouldn't have worked out. The, the golden calf would not have happened. Okay. In our context, when a person is being hit with a wave of this energy of evil, and it's making them feel empty, and he feels all of a sudden unnecessary for motarot, for excesses, to things <clears throat> which you, don't, you know are wrong. You know it's wrong to smoke uh, marijuana. You know it's wrong to drink. You know it's wrong to be poking. You know it's wrong. But I can't control myself. What can I do? I'm honest, and this a and person has excuses. It's because this energy is overwhelming. What's needed is to, to stop it, to stop the flow. Before I do this, I'm just gonna say. It's like the story the Gemara says about this talmid. You remember this Talmud who who paid a lot of money to be with a prostitute. And he was finally, she was on uh, seven beds of gold, and she was on, undressed on the top of the bed. So he was about to, to go up, and he took off his tzitzis. He was very makhbid. Oh, the, the, the tzitzis flew in his face. Or it flung him in his face. And he said, wait a second. Before you do this, you're going to lose everything. So that moment of yeshiva is what is able to, to control him. And in the end he got everything, she converted, he married her, okay, he, he got in the end, what was forbidden, it became per- permissible, she was so impressed with this young man, that she converted even, okay, and he, in the end, he got, he got her, Baruch Hashem, in a permissible way, right? The, the idea is, to cause that stop, it's hard, it's, you see, I'm, we're, we're talking about this, it's easier said than done, but the more you daven about these ideas, the more you ask Hashem to have this help, when it comes to the test, you have better chances of Siat Deshmaya interceding and helping make the bounds. You have better chances of Siat flinging titiyat in your face to stop a person from doing something wrong. You understand? This is the klipot. their motarot. And he says, hem bechinat atzvut. is a big thing. Atzvut is translation translated as sorrow. Atzvut, if you believe it or not, is the same root of the word for the nervous system the atzabim the ramban is the one who brings this down right there the ramban he says Yesh Shomer. There are those who say that the atzvut and the atzabim which are the nerves he says coming from the brain and he said the shidra the spinal cord because where are the nerves, nervous system connected from where are the, all the nerves in the body they come from the brain and the and the spinal that's what's got confirmed somebody gets shot in their back in the in the spinal cord so they, they get paralyzed, quadruped, you, know, you know, all this, this, this shemrach and people had all these things that they got an injury in them in spinal cord. The nerves are cut, that's it, finished, okay? Nerves and atzabim are connected. In that, this is the, the Kiddush. Rabbi Nachman teaches why That simcha is the biggest refuah. Simcha is the biggest refuah. Why? Because when a person is sad, opposite of simcha, atzvut, it has direct detrimental effect on his nerves. Okay, that's why a person is sad, Gets depressed, all of a sudden all types of sicknesses and maladies come out upon the person because his nerves stop working properly when a person gets sad. When a person gets depressed and sad, it's the most dangerous thing he can do to himself. He's causing the nerves, which are the same root, atzabim, okay, and atzvut, interrelated. That's why he says, the, the, the first healing process of anybody, is to get them to be besimcha. You know, you do all types of chemotherapy and this and that. If the person is sad, it's not going to help. See, if there's depression and sadness, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. What's needed is to quickly get a person out of atzvut. Once you succeed in getting a person out of atzvut, then the stages to properly the person can happen. This is the idea of atzvut and atzabim. They also say this farm that atzvut, there's interchangeable with the tzaddik with zayn. So it's like azvut. Azav. What is azvut? When a person feels left out. Izavon. A lower IT tzaddik ne azav. Izavon means a person's left out. Okay? Azvut sinks into a person when he feels, ah, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not like the other kids. Look at the ham there, they have such nice families, look at my family, Pfft, everything's upside down, and this, right? Look at me, always comparing me to them. When you go to camp, age seven, age eight, eight, nine, always you compare yourself, I'm the loser, and look at these cool kids, and they're, they're so, look at them, they have nice gishmak payas. and they're so missooted and everything, and it gets worse when you get married, and you see your kids, and you see other people's kids, you know? You are the Meisharim, everyone looks perfect, like glass. You see, there's like your shami families with their eight, ten kids, and they're all clean and and they have a nice pace, and the girls have the nice braids, and they're so clean, and you begin to feel bad. Look how they're successful, and I'm not. A a person begins to compare and feel left out. Look at that guy, and they make you look at his muscles and everything, get my fat stomach, and (laughs) everything. Right? Person starts getting sad. Look how good he is, and look at me. Person feels left out. Okay? izavon, at azvut. When a person feels left out, that's the sign. That's the barometer measure of atzvut. You know why you're feeling bad? It's because you're not happy. If you were happy with yourself, there will be no time to compare yourself with other people. You'd be happy with yourself. You have no time to look at the guy's the guy's muscles in the mikveh I'm happy with myself. Go to the mikveh, come out. I'm saying now, I have six pack, and I have six pack. I have only two pack. You know, six pack. The the, the joke of the six pack muscles, yeah, right. Yeah, look at him, yeah. The, the, the comparing and feeling left out that is the barometer measure of atzvot that's the kliput. that's the motarot what's the problem here? is the person is not happy with himself why is he not happy with himself? because the person doesn't value true simcha which is with the mitzvot. if you truly appreciated that Hashem loves you and Hashem wants you every second you would have simcha, true simcha. But the fact that a person, his simcha is based on gashmi, on physical things, so because of that, he feels empty. He doesn't have true simcha. He said earlier, simcha ta mitzvah. That's the only true simcha. My simcha in life is that I'm able to serve Hashem, that I'm able, I'm able to do things for Hashem. I'm able to put on tefillin. We're going to go into tefillin, by the way, soon. Tefillin is the big thing coming up with this pasuk that he's going to bring up. You see, khinat b'chol etzev ye this is the Pasuk brought in the Gemara, Brachot, Daf Lamed, about Rabbi Zera and Rabbi Yochanan, that he was laughing so so much. And he says, Rabbi, you don't know about the Pasuk, Bechol Etzev Seviye Motar. And he said, I'm wearing fill, I wore filling. Why am I happy? Because I wore filling. We're going to go into this Gemara. Because when you see how Rabbi Nachman interprets this verse, and then you see the Gemara's interpretation and the Peshat's interpretation, and they're all connected, it's something unbelievable. So the next year we'll go into the idea of the Pasuk. But for today, klipot, motarot, atzvut—they're all the same. They're all inter interchangeable. They're, they're, they're all synonymous. They mean the same thing. When a person has sadness, that's the klipot. When a person has a, a, la- a feeling of lack, he feels lacking, and he feels he needs something excess to fill. He needs that chocolate bar, that ice cream, and everything. That's the klipot. That sadness. They're all interchangeable. What to do? person has to get into Simcha, okay? We said in the last year, that's the power of saying Pitumaktorit. When you are more careful of saying Pitumaktorit, some people say it in Klav even, you know, they see people say in the parsha, but you're careful not to skip the Pitumaktorit and the davening and Shacharit before and after, and Mincha before. That is a Segula, he says, and he says it clearly in the Rav and on this lesson. This is a Segula for activating Simcha in your life. It's uh, funny, it, it sounds funny. But yes, it works. It's the idea of saying the Pitumaktoret, you activate what it stands for, which is wiping out the klipot, taking out the holiness. That's what Simcha does. So automatically also you get the, the, the gift of Simcha through that. So we'll stop here. We should be Zochit to, to take the nine days properly, to build the nine kailin, which we spoke about, we spoke about at the beginning. And these nine vessels should help us, visit Hashem, to receive the Ein Sof we should be so happy and if the Jews reach a high level of happiness Mashiach will come because the Pasuk says clearly Ki Besimcha Tetzew the ver- he's, he Rebbe Nachman held that the main key for Mashiach to come is Simcha prerequisite, not you're gonna get Simcha when it happens Ki Besimcha be what does it mean Besimcha Tetzew? Oh. it's not less Simcha you know, Towards Simcha you will get afterwards it's already within Simcha mode, attitude, that's how Mashiach will come. The more Jews are trained to appreciate true Simcha, and like here where Simcha is, all these expensive stores in Gerulah and here now, and people are never happy with themselves, you know, and they feel I have to be like the other person, because also, I, I feel bad about saying this, but you know, the Hassan is, the crazy is it cost $50,000 because everyone else is doing it. So I have to do a $50,000 chasana or $60,000 chasana because he did it, so I have to do it also, right? It's all, by woman, it's even more. When does I, I remember, this is so funny, oh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, one girl started, a, a Yushami girl, started a style of lifting up the front of her hair like this with gel and then going down. So go up and down, and up the next day, so <laughs> saw everybody started doing it, and it started to spread. Within a month, it was like the craziest thing. We were laughing, saying Look, one girl started it, and now everyone's doing it because if she did it, it must be the right thing to do. And and uh, I, I feel empty. I don't have anything, so I have to see the crazy. Absolutely crazy. True simcha is when you are, are happy with yourself. That's that. that this generation. <sighs> But the idea of an iPhone also. What's the idea of an iPhone? Why do people run to an iPhone? Because they're not happy with themselves. They need an outlet to run away from themselves, to just be distracted from themselves. True simcha is, I'm so happy with myself. I value what I do. I value, I have 24 hours Hashem gave me every day, and every second is filled with a good value and appreciation, and I feel good for what I do. Most people don't feel good mm-hmm. for what they're doing. They feel empty. Yeah. The guy is in a kolel learning all day. He yeah. says, What am I learning for? What's my want to become a shokhet and become a Diyan and to become a you know Malikam and become a uh, baki and Khochah okay, what's it gonna do most people they they don't feel good about what they're doing. They don't feel mm-hmm. a goal. Okay, what's the goal of this? Well I'm gonna finish us, okay? So what? What then? Even in that, a person needs training to be a Besimcha and appreciate what they're doing. We're gonna see the biggest expression of appreciation feeling good about yourself is putting on tefillin. You're going to see coming up in the Gemara we're going to bring, that the tefillin is a gift that happens every morning. Every morning, even at Shabbos, you know, Shrimal will become tefillin, you know, Shabbos, we have a Shrima, okay? That's a, that's Ooh, a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but so. every normal day, Tisha B'Av, they take away the tefillin. You notice that? What's, what's the thing taken away on Tisha B'Av? Tefillin. In the afternoon, we put on the tefillin, right? And that's, that's the thing taken away to make us work harder to realize what, we're, what's, what the, our source of simcha is taken away, in order to recognize what's going on here, because you need the avilut in order to appreciate the, the simcha afterwards, right? But the the fact that a Jew is able to put on tefillin every morning, like the Gemara says, tefillin kam anachna. I, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Zera said, Rabbi Yochanan said, I'm uh, sorry, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Zera. I'm trying to remember who the Rabbah. Sorry, Rabbah, the teacher of Abaye, and Rabbi Yochanan. They both said, I'm putting on tefillin. And for every Jew, Rav Nossam brings this down, this is one of the greatest simchas of a Jew. That's why it starts in the beginning of the day. In the beginning of the day, we put on tefillin. Nets even, even before the day starts, to get the right footing of simcha in the beginning. That's my simcha, that I am connected. The idea of tefillin on the arm, tefillin on the head, That means everything I have inside of me, it's connected to Hashem. That's the greatest simcha. We'll go to the Bezat Hashem the next year, Bezat Hashem. Alright, Chatzot. ask a question? Of course, yeah. and, and it's been recorded, it's okay? Um, yeah, I feel like you get up 7 o'clock in the morning, so I'm not supposed to get up Chatzot, it does mm-hmm. It starts by davening for it. And, and knowing the value about it, reading stories about Chatzot, and what happened Sadiqim got up, and, and the importance of what you can do at Chatzot, reading about it. There's a prayer in the Kutai Tfilot, it's called prayer pechet Chet Pach, pe Hey, sorry, pe Hey. 85, prayer 85, start saying it, and learning lessons that are connected to it. The, the Torah Samechzai in when you, when you learn about it, you begin to appreciate it more. When you, when you hear what it does, what Chatzot what can do, the Rav Chaim says, learning one hour of Torah after midnight is like a few hundred hours of Torah study during the day. And then one hour of Torah study after midnight Friday night, is the shpits, is like a hundreds of hours of Torah study during Shabbat. And a Torah study on Shabbat is a few hundred hours greater than an hour of Torah study during the week. Okay, hear that? Hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah but then it's Tish time. It's tish yeah. time, exactly. So the rest of Tish is to go to sleep. <laughs> what can I tell you? That's why we're called Toit the Chasidim. We're going have a living Rebbe, so we don't have to go to Tish. So we can get up for Chatzot. You got it? It's a different world. Cool. Where, uh? where is The, the, it is. <laughs> the red and red better tish. Where is where is this um Rahambaban of uh It's Havava Von and Which one what where, is that? Of uh Arts and It's Havavon Yeah uh, uh, I saw then. it. I have, to, I have to remember. I'll tell you the book I saw. There's a, there's a commentary on the Likuteim called Peer Likuteim. Uh, okay. you can see it in the, some rest uh, well, of shows. Uh, it's on, on this paragraph that we're learning now. He brings the source. I forgot which sefer brings it down. It's a sefer that brings it down in Dikduk, in the laws of Dikduk. Yeah. That Izavon and Atzvud have the same root. The Tzadik, so first of all, it's in the same Motsa'u You have Zas Sharatz, Zain Samech. Shin, resh, Tzadik, are from the same part of the, there's gutturals, laterals, there's, the, there's, there's five, five parts of the mouth, right? Teeth words, tongue yeah, words, yeah, yeah. lips, charat Zayin, and Tzadik are there, interchangeable. So, Atzvut is like red, Azvut, Azav, okay? And the verse says again, Lo ra'iti Tzadik ne'ezav. I've never seen a tzaddik mm-hmm. whose name is that, which means Ba'atzvut. No, if you see a tzaddik, it's because he was matzliach yeah. to midgaber to be bismcha always. You hear that? No, you, hear always. that always. Always. you hear that man? What? That's what? unbelievable. What? That's unbelievable. How, how fast yeah. Unbelievable. I if you see someone that's always sad, then a problem. it's probably not a tzaddik, right? Or, first of all, maybe he's showing himself that he's sad, but he's, he's really happy. He said about yet. himself, Rabbi yeah. Nachman. That us the de- the descendants of David the Melech, uh, we walk around with a very sad expression. The, the but rabbi don't learn from me, he said. They'll, they'll he not, said about Nachman, he somebody, had a sad expression. He said, but don't learn from me. This is Uncle Rabbi Baruch of Mezhiv, also walks around with a sad expression. Don't learn from us. We're doing. We're sad because we're busy toiling to make new pathways for the Union, for the Jewish well, people to, right? to follow. But you guys, you have to show the expression of sin. okay? So sometimes you have a person who looks sad, he might be really happy, you don't know. But if he starts doing things which show you that he's sad, oh, then you know he's so sad you knock, <laughs> you knock him out, man. You knock out, man.